first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40, he's at the 30, he's at the 20, he's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast with the Indianapolis Colts. Took care of business at home. They defeat the Cincinnati Bengals by a final score of 31-27. to 27. Now, this game was a little bit of a scare early on, and so I wanted to bring on my friend Michael Terrazas to join me. Michael, uh, thoughts on this game, man? I mean, initially it was a little bit scary, but, man, the Colts sit here at 4-2, and two, and I guess that's all you can ask for at this point. You stole the words right out of my mouth, Cody. 4-2, and two is, I literally tweeted it, I believe, like three weeks ago coming down the stretch of, you know, inferior opponents. Uh, five and one was a needed start, but four and two will be just fine. And that is what they are. Okay. This yeah. game started out pretty rough. I completely forgot Jack Doyle was on the team. He caught a pass. In my opinion, it wasn't an actual catch. There was no football move. He, in my opinion, he never really gained possession, but anyways, they went ahead and you know, gave the ball to Cincinnati. They easily, Joe Mixon just made easy work of the Colts. Then we find ourselves down 14 to zero, 21 to three. And it, you know, the rest is history, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you think about that game, man, like we, uh, so I actually went to the game with a couple friends and before we even got in, we were running just slightly behind Jack Doyle already fumbled it. And we're like, are you kidding me? Like that is the absolute worst thing you can have to give your defense short field, then obviously Cincinnati goes down, they punch it in. I mean, at the end of the first quarter, man, Cincinnati's already up by two touchdowns, and you're just like, what in the world is going on with this team? Mm-hmm. It was just very puzzling that first quarter, especially. I mean, you think about it, yeah, like, you know, the Bengals score three straight times, you know, two in the first quarter, and then the second quarter, they score again. Uh, so at that point, the Bengals are up 21 to nothing, and Colts Twitter is just like losing its mind at that point and I mean I was like being brutally honest I was like this team is looking like you know not to like make it like a hyperbole or anything but they were looking Chuck Pagano-esque like they were shooting themselves in the foot they were down by a bunch and that's just very weird and a little bit uncharacteristic of Frank Reich's teams I mean we've seen especially during this season like we've seen the Colts really haven't had those games where they're down by a ton I, I should say um, normally they're pretty tight games, but it was just a weird, weird start to this game. Um, and initially, I'm curious your thoughts when the Colts were down 21 to nothing against the one-win Bengals. What are your first thoughts on that? Like when when that does happen, I was I was speechless on my couch in, in my yeah. apartment. I was just I, I was just reactionless. I was just watching the screen. I do live play by play on t- Twitter, and I, I don't even think I tweeted for like two minutes or so. And when, when that happened, man, I was I was trying to keep myself composed because I'm the kind that can react like in the moment and say something dumb. And I've been better at controlling that. And in my opinion, you know, a lot of people make, uh, you know, get on Frank Reich. And some of it is 
it, it's okay, but some of it, like the Frank Wright came into this game, and I could tell the play calling. It was sort of vanilla because it was supposed to be vanilla. This Bengals defense, in my opinion, is not very good. And I had people, including you, man, I saw that um, about you know talking about this Bengals defense that's been that's been good. They're ranked ninth, but when I go back and when I was prepping for this game. I saw who they played. I mean, the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor, I believe he had 208 yards. Gardner Minshew had 351 yards on this defense. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I believe he had like 160 yards, but Lamar Jackson doesn't throw. Well, I mean, he does, but you don't go out there and expect him to win you a game by throwing 400 yards. So when I look at that, this was easily the best passing attack the Bengals had faced. Uh, so when I look, hear all this stuff about Frank Reich, look, Philip Rivers has struggled. He has struggled. And people were starting to come back at me and everything when they started making the comeback down. What I saw Frank Reich do, he opened the playbook up more, even though, in my opinion, he wasn't supposed to because that playbook that he had, it should have been working against that kind of defense. That defense doesn't really have all that much talent. I'm being brutally honest. It doesn't. Now, the offense, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, that's going to be a team in the future. That is going to be a contender, in my opinion. I'm not going to get on Frank Reich yet. Uh, that's That's been what everybody has been saying so far today. The play calling, it was kind of meh because, like I've said, it was supposed to be. But when Frank Reich saw that it wasn't working, because Phillip Rivers is a statue. He has concrete glued to his feet. He can't go bootleg. He can't go play action. He can't. And when you can't do that, we saw Andrew Luck destroy the play action, destroy the bootleg. Phillip Rivers cannot do that. But what I liked from this team, what I saw was that they were able to not shoot themselves in the foot offensively. Okay, I know there was a down-the-field penalty on Anthony Costanzo that wiped out a T.Y. Hilton touchdown. I believe that's right. And other than that, the Colts' offense, they were in sync. Now, I'm going to keep pounding this desk. You did not trade up to get Jonathan Taylor to give him 10 carries a game. Yes. That, 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 that's not right. I get it in the fourth quarter. I even tweeted it out. Run the damn ball. And then they get a loss of four yards, and I tweet out, okay, never mind. Just throw the ball because we cannot block for some reason. Still, 10 yards, 10 carries is not enough for Jonathan Taylor. It's not. I saw some better success in it, and I even tweeted out, breaking news. He hit the hole he was supposed to. He did, and it it resulted in good yardage. So for me, I'm not going to – when I was watching that 21 deficit – I, I didn't panic because I wanted to see how this team would react. That right. was my biggest question. I want to see how this team reacts. DeMichael Harris, I've been talking about him. He was active today. T.Y. Hilton, I'm starting to question if he earns another contract with the Colts. I, I, I don't, I, that's a serious question I think we're about to start having here in the next few weeks. Phillip Rivers is a different kind of cat. He may be a statue, but kind of like, Dak Prescott, he has the heart of a lion, and he battled back. He made great throws. He made great reads other than that dumb interception, 
but that's what you're going to get with Phillip Rivers. You and I have talked about that. Yeah. Well, I yeah, like kind of what like I saw. With Brissett, right? It's like with Brissett versus Rivers, okay, Brissett might take care of the ball a little bit more, but you're not going to get these type of games from Brissett. We're very, very far and few between. Whereas Rivers, you're going to get more of a passing attack, right? But you're going to get uh, more turnovers. And that, that's just something to be expected for sure. And I think we can kind of just – go into now kind of this Colts offense and, you know, this passing attack, you know, Philip Rivers actually, when he was talking to the media, you know, they asked him about criticism, you know, does it affect you? And he said, well, actually, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say it affects me, but I actually went and looked at every single person's article who was criticizing me. And he's like, was brutally honest and said, you guys were right. You know, I'm not playing up to the standard I need to play up to. And it was great to see Philip Rivers respond in this kind of way. I mean, he threw 44 passes, passing attempts, for 371 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And now Phillip Rivers, you know, going into the game, I believe it was four touchdowns to five interceptions. He's now, I believe if my math is correct, seven touchdowns to six interceptions. So he kind of went over a little bit. So this was a game that we needed to see from Phillip Rivers. It was just like very concerning, especially, you know, in the red zone. That's something that the Colts have just struggled so much in. Um, but, you know, you, talking about the 44 attempts, you were right. You know, the Colts needed – I felt like the Colts needed to run the ball more. Jonathan Taylor, only 12 carries for 60 yards. I mean, he was averaging five yards a pop. And during that mm-hmm. fourth quarter, I felt like, you know, beyond a couple of plays that got blown up in the backfield, I felt like he was really kind of, you know, finding himself in a way. Yeah. And so this has just been, I guess, one of my biggest criticisms with Frank Reich is you go away from stuff that works sometimes, and I'm very puzzled as to why you do that. And this is the beef that I've kind of had with him dating back a couple of years ago to that Kansas City game, right? When you know Kansas City can't stop the run, but you try to pass it all the time. I'm like, run the ball. That's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're built. Why aren't you running the ball? And, and the Colts, it was, I remember they didn't run the ball much. And that was just such, such a huge question mark. Like, why are you not running the football? And that's just been something that I've noticed throughout the, you know, really throughout his coaching tenure with the Colts. There's just been those weird tendencies that he's had to go away from things that work. And it's been very puzzling to me. And I'm really trying to figure out why, why exactly he does that. Because, you know, we, we've said Frank Reich is a genius offensively. Mm-hmm. But sometimes some of the questions, some of the things that he does is questionable with some of his play calling. It just kind of makes me scratch my head sometimes. Like, why? It doesn't make any sense. The Bengals, you know, you talked about they were actually a pretty decent pass defense. Well, they were absolutely putrid against the run. I mean, they're like, 30th in the league against the run or bottom half of the league at least. And he didn't run it. I felt like as much as you needed to, I mean, your, your passing offense was good and that's fine, but I felt like you needed to get Jonathan Taylor going. I felt like this is a game, you know, there's been a couple games where I felt like Jonathan Taylor just has not got enough carries and he's, he's doing work when he gets the carries. And I just, I don't know. I just was a little bit frustrated, I guess, if you will, um, mm-hmm. by the lack of carries for Jonathan Taylor, like you said, uh, but, you know, moving on, I felt like this was a game that we needed to see, like you said, the Colts face some adversity. They're, they fall behind by 21 points. And, and, my, and Andrew, my friend who, who went with me, he, he's part of the podcast too, he said, man, is this team built to come back? Is this team built for that? I don't know. And the Colts really answered, I think, some questions like, you know, if they get into a hole, do they have the ability to come back? Can Phillip Rivers lead them on a comeback? of any sort. And I felt like he, you know, I know it's a Bengals defense, but I felt like he kind of, I don't want to say silence. Some of the critics as are always, they'll always be there, mm-hmm. but I felt like he kind of proved a little bit. Okay. This guy has the capability at the very least 
to do that for, for your offense. And, you know, I loved what I saw from these wide receivers and we'll get to into that uh, in a minute. Um, I guess we'll start with your guide to Michael Harris, man. You texted me before the game and you said, Hey, he's active. And I remember all the way back to, to the draft when, you know, I guess actually after the draft from the Colts signed him, you're like, this guy, you better watch out for this guy. And I was just like, thought I knew everything. I was like, Oh, whatever. He's an undrafted free agent. He's not going to make an impact. And man, he comes on today and, you know, it wasn't like the most flashy thing in the world, but, you know, he had a couple catches. He had three catches for 29 yards and, you know, some key catches. And I thought that he showed something pretty good. And I guess this will lead me kind of my next talking point here. Paris Campbell, obviously, you've missed his presence. So Michael Harris has shown that he's a fast guy, type of, that type of Paris Campbell type of player, you know, the speed type of receiver. Do you think moving forward the Colts could use him in kind of a Paris Campbell-like role? I mean, we've seen them use Naheem Hines in different roles. But the Colts offense has been missing that element. And I felt like DeMichael Harris provided that a little bit more, a little bit more of a spark to this offense. Let me let, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yes. Yes. I as soon as Paris Campbell went down, I looked at this roster and looked at who are the best options to replace him. You're talking about a guy who has speed, who can break a game open because of his speed. T.Y. Hilton, I don't think is that game breaker anymore. DeMichael Harris, he played running back his whole career. He just converted to wide receiver his last year at Southern Miss. So I think coaching him up this whole time is what the Colts have been trying to do. And I even asked Frank Reich uh, when we did that press conference with him uh, before training camp, and I asked him, how do you look at DeMichael Harris? And he said he's a guy that can break a game open. As soon as he said that, I knew that he's going to be a gadget guy. If for some reason in my head, if something happened to T.Y., Paris, DeMichael has to be the guy to step up. What I saw from him today, he had good awareness for the field. You know, that um, that screenplay, usually a lot of rookies would just catch the ball and wait for a quick second. But he already has that, that my blockers are going to be there. I am just going to go. And that's what I love about a guy with speed. Don't sit there and wait and try to juke and just do all this extra stuff. Like one of my, I remember one of my high school coaches cussed out this one guy in practice. And he was just like, you doing all this dancing? Just run north, dude. Run north. And that's what he did. He had a good out route. I want to see him use probably in situational stuff. You know, if you're like in a third and seven, do something, not something too cute. But do something you know he's going to be good at. What you're basically wanting to use Paris Campbell for. I saw what I needed to see from DeMichael Harris today. Some people are going to say, Michael, it was only three catches. But I saw how he had control of his body. He knew what his job was. He caught with his hands rather than his body, which I hate when tight ends and wide receivers do that. He caught with his hands. And people are going to say he's wearing number 12. Well, at least we got number 12 back in the building. Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm really hopeful for DeMichael Harris. And I think if he continues to be active, you know, it was a surprise for me to see him active over Desmond Patman or Doris Fountain. But this is also something people don't think about enough. The coaches are seeing what they're seeing in practice and they're seeing that they have Zach Pascal, they have T.Y. Hilton, they have Marcus Johnson. Doris Fountain, I don't think, brings too much of a different element than those guys do to the team. So they wanted to add something different, more speed. I like Naheem Hines, but I think I'm going to keep DeMichael Harris in this role. 
Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I mean, he offers a whole new type of receiver that the Colts don't have with Paris Campbell being out. So I definitely agree. You know, it may not be something where you're like, you know, we think DeMichael Harris right now is as good of a receiver, if that makes sense, but he offers something different. Yeah. Um, maybe he's not as polished as, you know, Darius Fountain no. or Desmond Patman, but he offers you that spark that your offense has just completely been missing. Um, especially if, you know, you've seen Rivers making bad decisions. Just get the ball out of his hands, man, and let it, let his playmakers in space do things like that. And I saw that you know, with Naheem Hines a couple times today, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with the Michael Harris a little bit. And I want to see that continue because I just don't want Rivers having the chance or the opportunity to throw, to throw those turnovers. I mean, we've seen it. When he makes it, he sometimes makes some boneheaded decisions. Even he made one today with that interception that was completely unnecessary. Like, it's second down. Throw it away at least. You know, that's the worst that can happen on that play. It's just something like that where it's just like, man, why? Why do we feel the need to do that? Fortunately, the uh, you know, it didn't matter in the end. The Colts, the Colts held their own and were able to pull out a W. Um, but let's continue talking about these wide receivers. Marcus Johnson, man, you, you talked about him a little bit. Five catches, 108 yards um, on eight targets. Uh, I, you know, Marcus Johnson's been a guy that's floated around the practice squad. He's been on this team. He's been off this team. He's been on there everywhere. And every time he gets the opportunity, he makes he makes uh, the most of it. And yep. I just kind of like, man, at this point, keep him on the roster. He's he's the one that's that's making these plays. And I love to see the Colts gaining more gaining more trust with Marcus Johnson, a, a veteran receiver, if you will, but he's still only twenty five years old. Um, and he's making an impact, man. I really, really liked what I saw from Marcus Johnson. Some contested catches that I was like, we don't, we haven't seen the Colts receivers be able to do that. And I was just really encouraged with what I saw from Marcus Johnson. What did you see from him? One of the things that I'm going to quote Chris Ballard on is that he didn't do enough to add depth to this team last year. This year, he has the depth. You have two wide receivers that are out. And still, you have Zach Pascal, You have T.Y. Hilton. You have the Michael Harris, who hopefully he can become what we hope he can become. And then you bring back Marcus Johnson. Man, this guy, this guy should not be a free agent anymore. I tweeted out earlier today that I am shocked that this guy was available when we picked him up, that he was not picked up by anyone, at least as a practice squad guy. I mean, you look at other teams that could use him, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bears, all those teams. And what I saw from Marcus Johnson today, man, first off, he deserves to stay on this roster. This is going to be a problem when Michael Pittman comes back at if if Paris Campbell decide not decide if he's able to come back and also heading into next year, you're going to have a crowded wide receiver room. But for Marcus Johnson, he is that deep threat. Okay, he gets it. He understands football. He is a deep there. We saw we saw that last year in the Tampa Bay game with Jacoby Brissett when he rarely threw those bombs downfield. He had one, I think, one catch for fifty five yards, I believe, and yeah, one catch. I think it was a couple, and it was big time. This guy can be a real threat. Is he going to be a game breaking wide receiver? I don't know, but if you're looking for something vertical. He's going to be there. What he's shown is good hands, a reliable receiver, a reliable receiver. And that's what I like. Five catches for 108 yards, man. This guy I am really excited about. I love the depth. I love that we have depth to talk about instead of making a number five receiver turn into the number one receiver like last year. I love the depth on this team. 
Yeah, me too. And he even potentially had another touchdown. Rivers just overthrew him. Uh, so I love what I see from Marcus Johnson. You know, he's he's good. I think he's a good guy. He goes deep. And it's not like he's like physically like, oh my gosh, like, but he's so reliable. And that's what mm-hmm. you need in wide receivers. If if I could say one word for the Colts receivers over the past five, ten years outside of Reggie Wayne and T.Y. T. Hilton, it would be unreliable, <laughs> like very unreliable, dropping passes, not getting open, all, you know, basically everything that receivers are not supposed to do, it seems like the Colts receivers did. Yep. And so it's so nice to know, yes, we were dealing with two injuries to two of our top three receivers. We're still okay. We're still good, like you said. And I'm going to credit Chris Ballard, man. I mean, the depth that he has built on this team, I mean, you think about it. Colts are, lo- Colts are without their starting running back. They're starting top two wide receiver, or I guess two out of three wide receivers. They're starting free safety. Uh, even Darius Leonard was out. Um, and they still are competitive in games, and they're still winning games. They're still four and two at this point in the season. And I think you just got to credit Chris Ballard for the depth that he has brought in uh, and just this team, that, that next man up mentality that they have. Um, and they really feel like they can go out with anybody um, and they can challenge teams and they can beat teams and they can be competitive. And I just, I love that, that Chris Ballard has done that and, and just created that for this Colts team. Um, and I just, and I think it speaks volumes with, with guys like Marcus Johnson making an impact like that. Um, and, you know, other guys like Zach Pascal to Michael Harris, you know, the list goes on. Those guys just making an impact. Um, so staying with the wide receivers, I guess we'll move kind of to the tight ends a little bit. So, I was super encouraged to see Trey Burton more involved, not being force fed, but actually being involved in the vertical passing game and getting involved, like getting actually involved um, and making an impact. And that is just something that I was very like, I was like, just don't force feed him to force feed him. Like get him open, you know, scheme him open, make him, he, he has the tools. You know, we saw that a couple of years ago, he has the tools. And I just loved what I saw from him. That that sideline touchdown catch was awesome. It was great to see him get his first receiving touchdown with the Colts. And also Jack Doyle. Um, you know, I credit Jack Doyle because after that fumble, you know, he could have just, you know, that could have just ruined his game. But he came back, caught a touchdown. Um, I loved what I saw from on these tight ends. And, you know, this was a big uh, – I don't know the word, I guess. I, I was very frustrated with Frank Reich last week at the lack of – of using the tight ends, especially Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox. Now Mo Ali Cox obviously was out for this game, but it was good to see the Colts getting using their tight ends. I mean, that that's what we felt like was kind of a strength of this team was their tight ends, especially with the emergence of Mo Ali Cox. And it was good for me to see this, this tight end group get more involved, especially in the red zone. Um, I loved what I saw from these tight ends and the way the Colts used them. And also I loved what I saw from Zach Pascal too. I thought he played a pretty solid game as well. I believe he had somewhere around 50, 50 yards and a touchdown. That, that was a really awesome touchdown catch by Zach Pascal, by the way. So uh, great to see it there. But what were your overall impressions of these tight ends and wide receivers as a whole unit? As a whole unit, Trey Burton, it's obvious, it's obvious why the Colts picked him up, first off. You know, literally a day before the NFL draft, where you and I were talking about tight ends and what we could potentially grab, they go out and grab Trey Burton. And we're sitting there thinking, well, he has an injury history, but he shows up. And for I'm going to start with Jack Doyle real quick. He hasn't really had a role on this team so far. And I'm starting to wonder w- what's up with that. I know he missed the game and everything, but 
I mean, we we signed him to a new contract, and he hasn't been targeted all that much. He made a great leaping catch. That was a great catch by Jack Doyle. Even though Rivers threw it out a little bit in front of him, he caught it with his hands. That was great. I want to see more from Jack Doyle. I want to see more. We have him a lot in run situations because obviously he's a good blocker. I want to see more from Jack Doyle. I thought today, you know, getting that touchdown, it could do wonders for you as a player. You get a touchdown. Now you go into practice with new confidence, new energy. You go into a game with new confidence, new energy. You just made a great catch in the end zone. Now coaches are going to try and see where they can get you going on the field. As of Trey Burton, man, he's been he's been what we've been advertising him to be. You know, there was a great play call that Frank Reich, you know, really got him open, you know, and Philip Rivers found him along the sideline. And man, I can't say enough about Trey Burton. He, like you said, he wasn't force fed. He was open. And Philip Rivers got him the ball. The fact that Frank Reich schemed him open was the biggest thing. You see that he's not slow. He actually has some good, some good speed. You saw him lined up quite a few times. I believe it was to the left side. He's lined up more to the left side than it is the right side. So, so when I see that, I'm thinking, okay, so he's probably got to have a strength moving from sideline to sideline because when you're lined up to the left, you're always looking for some kind of a mesh concept or something inside as to where I rarely saw him on the right. So for Trey Burton, I want to see it going more. I think he can be – I'm not going to put him up there with Kelsey or anything, but I think he can be that type of player if he can stay – healthy because if someone's yeah. doubling down on pascal hilton i think trey burton has that talent to be able to do that today he certainly showed it yeah he definitely did All right, i want to get your take on this offensive line it's been very up and down for me i think it's been pretty good in terms of pass protection i mean uh philip rivers was sacked a once i believe in this game and it wasn't even a defensive lineman it was a corner um so what is your overall thoughts on this offensive line in terms of pass protection and then the running attack? Because, you know, Jonathan Taylor averaged five yards a carry, but there were certain situations where it seemed like this Colts offensive line didn't get the push that they should have gotten. And it seems like it's kind of been a trend this year. This offensive line, when it comes to run blocking, has been very below average, in my opinion. What's your take on this offensive line, though? The Bengals have a good – they have a good defensive line. I'll say that. You know, they were – the Colts offensive line was going up against some talent. Now, you and I have talked about this, especially last offseason. When you're going east to west, it's not working out. And even now with the same unit, it's not working out, whether you're going to the right side or you're going to the left side. Jonathan Taylor, gain of eight, gain of six loss of four, loss of one, that when I look at the offensive line, they have a real problem going side to side. And I don't expect that when I look at athletes like Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Mark Glowinski, I, in my opinion, he's limited as a lineman. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, and for Braden Smith, I think he's okay. I think he's been quietly really good for this team. Mm -hmm. For the offensive yeah. line, I think they're better pass blockers so far in 2020 than they are in the run game. Today, Phillip Rivers was barely touched, which was a welcome sight to see because in past games, he's been having to force things. He's been having to just throw errant throws because 
the offensive line is not protecting them. But today, they did a better job of that. In the run game, when I look, I'll have to go here uh, later tonight to, to go back and look at the game. But, man, when it comes to the East to West thing, I still don't understand it. There's always someone getting free. There's always someone beating Ryan Kelly, beating Mark Glowinski. And the main thing I'm seeing is they're beating Mark Glowinski. The guy is just the linebacker, the three tech is just ripping through Mark and getting to the running back. And Mm -hmm. then on the outside, this is where we miss Michael Pittman, his run, his run blocking on the outside. That's where we miss him the most because there's that corner just ripping off T.Y., just ripping off Marcus Johnson and getting to Jonathan Taylor. So the run game, it needs to be better. It just has to be. And that's where, you know, Nick Sirianni. Frank Wright come in. You got to be better. Find out what it is. Okay. Because this has been last year and it's coming into this season. So the pass protection, I'm okay with. I'm good with that. They had a pretty good game today. Running game, man, I don't, I I, I just don't know, Cody. I don't. We've been talking about it from east to west. It just doesn't happen. And I've even said if it doesn't work, don't go to it. I mean, you can right. sit there and say, and even I've said it, it's about execution, not coaching. But if they're still not executing through a year and five games into another season, do not go to it. I know you love Jonathan Taylor as an athlete, but when three guys are unblocked, I don't care what athlete you are, you're not getting past them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move over to the defensive side. I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this, the Bengals were up 21 to nothing at one point. I mean, this defense just seems like miscommunication after miscommunication, you know, lack of pressure for a lot of the game, um, just different things like that that were very concerning. But, you know, credit this defense. Second half, they came out. All things considered, they played really well. They only allowed three points total in the second half. That's the second straight game that the Colts defense has really tightened up in the second half. What did you see from the first half to the second half? Maybe it's something similar to the Browns game. What is the difference? There's no, there is obviously a major difference. What is that difference? For me today, I saw, I saw, I saw more urgency. That's what I saw in the second half. I saw a lot more urgency. When I look at adjustments, I see that Matt Eberflus because they were going a lot of heavy zone in the first half. Joe Burrow ate up zone all year last year. And you don't really do that against Joe Burrow. So what he did was he created a little bit more, first starting with the defensive line, he created more stunts. You know, DeForest Buckner goes out wide, Danico Autry goes in. That kind of helped try to confuse him a little bit because all that's going on in front of him. When I look at the pass protection, man, Xavier Rhodes, this guy deserves a game ball today because he was just there at the time they needed him every time pass deflections, near interceptions. Bobby Okariki dropped <laughs> dropped an easy interception. Yeah. We can go ahead and let that almost go because two. he has a club. Yeah, almost two, almost two. What I saw from the defense is they looked more attentive. You know, they paid more attention to detail. They looked like they knew what their job was. In the in the first half, like you said, it looked like miscommunication. You know, I would see Rocky Sin turn around and just go like this. Like, whose guy was that? And, yeah. you know, in zone, it's a lot of, like, look at it as a dance. 
you know, just you're just passing a person off. Dance, okay, passing a person off. That's what zone is. You have mm-hmm. to have attention to detail and know where you are at all times and know what your job is. And it is a little bit of, of a young team. You know, Julian Blackman's out there. Bobby Okariki is getting a lot more snaps and he's getting a lot more better. Rocky Sin, he's out there and they're still trying to, you know, better their communication. Now, yeah. the biggest thing, the, the biggest difference for this defense, in my opinion, is Xavier Rhodes and Julian Blackman. That's that's what I think because the difference in this is also improved talent. Right now, and I, I honestly didn't think I would say this because you know you know what my stance was on Xavier Rhodes in the offseason. I think I'd take Xavier Rhodes over 2018 Pierre Desir. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I definitely would. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a big reason why the Colts decided to make that move because they're like, you know, we see Pierre Desir is a solid corner. We could get a corner that was an all-pro a few years ago. And so I see the appeal to that. And I, I, you know, I don't want to say he's been an all pro. I don't, I don't want to go there yet, but I've loved what I've seen from Xavier Rose. I really have. I think after week one, he has been phenomenal. I mean, I have not really seen him get beat very much at all. I mean, he's been a really, really solid corner. He had a lot of pass breakups today. I thought overall he was really solid. And, and that's something that the Colts really needed, you know, especially with Rocky Sin still having a few bumps and bruises along the way. We saw that in a couple plays today, um, which we'll get to in a second, but I thought all things considered, Xavier Rhodes has been a really, really solid addition to the secondary and a really good veteran presence to the secondary. You know, that's something that the Colts really talked about. And that was something that I had questions on, you know, going back to the whole, like, how are the Colts going to respond? We saw how they responded last year. It wasn't good. When adversity happened, the Colts folded. They had no veteran presence whatsoever. And that's why Ballard was so upset with himself. He said, we just lost that. We had no veteran, you know, guys holding each other accountable. And we needed that. And Xavier Rhodes appears like – He's one of those guys, along with Tavon Wilson and some other guys, that are really holding this team accountable. You know, when you're down 21 points, this team didn't panic. And I think that's huge. And huge credit to Xavier Rhodes. Huge credit to this defense. Um, you know, you keep grinding. You go on to the next play. And you do what you know you're capable of doing. And I've just loved what he's done. But let's talk about Rocky Asen because I mentioned him already. It was kind of a weird game for Rocky Asen because he had a few decent breakups. He also had that really huge play against T. Higgins where he gets burned for, gosh, I don't even know how many yards that was. That was like a 50-yard pass. Yep. Uh, that was just you know rough for, for him. And then obviously he has that suplex play where it's like, Rock, you're not in high school anymore. I get it. Like the whistle wasn't blown, but that's going to be a penalty every single time. And I was really frustrated. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you know you can't do that. Uh, what were your thoughts on Zay- on, on uh, Rocky Sen though? I think he knows. I think he needs to stop watching WWE or Brock Lesnar <laughs> UFC or whatever he's watching. He just needs a chair, and then he, was he just yeah. He just needs to stop. Okay, we get it. You're a former wrestler. We're you're strong. We get it. When you get onto a mat, that's okay. But when you get onto turf, that's not okay. As soon as I saw him wrap him up, I'm just like, Rock, don't do it, man. Yeah, right. I believe it was a third down on that play, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't remember I think the situation. It was a third down, and it was about to be. They were about to punt, but that was 15 yards, and they got a first down. Yeah. So, and on the play, he got burned by I believe it was T. Higgins, like you said, yeah. for like 60 yards. That was more so. Now he still did a good job to you know break up the pass, but Joe Burrow did not put enough velocity on that ball. If he did, that is a walk in, hit him right on the money touchdown. Rocky Sin got burned 
on that play. And I even tweeted it earlier. He got lucky. He got lucky. Now, he still made the play that he needed to, but he failed. I believe it was a double move that T. Higgins tried. And for some reason, Rocky Sin doesn't have uh, you know, a good success rate against double moves. That's one thing I've noticed. I watched it last week against Odell, last week against Jarvis, because remember, he had that big uh, first quarter and watched it with Allen Robinson, watched it with DJ Chark. When it comes to these double moves, for some reason, Rocky Sin, his discipline is not is not there yet. It's not. He has a good foundation. His feet are right. His hips are good. But when it comes to that double move, man, it, it gets it gets beat. He had a shaky game. Uh, but for the most part, if I had to give him a grade, I'd give it a C plus because he did make some timely pass breakups. You know, the penalty was obviously dumb. But I think right now I'm okay, not pleased, but I'm okay with Rakusin. He's had a couple of good games. He's had some backbreakers, some boneheaded plays. But for the most part, I think, you know, and he, he still hasn't played at that much of a high level for so long. Remember, he only played one year of D1 football against the superior athletes for one year. Then he comes to the NFL. I think he's still having to adjust to the NFL. And I think that's crazy to even say coming out of my mouth for a second year corner. But when I look at that, that matters. You know, experience against that talent, that speed, it's just different. It's like, think back to high school, playing freshman, and then you get to varsity. It's a different speed. Yeah. So that's yeah. where I'm at with Rockison. Yeah, and I think the good thing is he has plays, but all in all, it's positive. Like we, yeah. we can say he's he's progressing in a nice way, even though he makes the occasional dumb play. Every corner does. Like no corner's perfect, and uh, like you said, he, he's going to take maybe take a little bit more time to get accustomed to you know this competition, you know better competition. So you know the good thing is you've seen more good than bad. Um, he has a teacher in Xavier Rhodes who could help him. Um, a guy who's been there. And so I, I'm feeling okay about him too. It wasn't the greatest game for him, but still had two pass deflections. I thought he was, he played okay today. Um, let's stay with his secondary. So, you know, obviously Kenny Moore, we didn't really see him do a whole lot. He had a nice tackle though. I thought that he, he's probably the best pure tackler in terms of corners on this team. I, I just love what Kenny Moore brings to the secondary. Even if he never, even if he's not always making the splash play, he's just a consistent guy in there. Um, you know, he's going to do his job one of the best slot corners in the league, obviously. So loved what he did, but you know, there's not a ton to talk about, about him you know, what wasn't really one of his type of games. I mean, but he did finish with eight total tackles. So second on the team, two pass deflections, a tackle for a loss. Um, but you know, the big story, obviously, and we'll get to it here. Julian Blackman, Julian Blackman, again, comes up with a big play. Um, this time he comes up with a big play to seal the game for the Colts, man, you know, Julian Blackman, we talked about him a lot when he was drafted. You know, we didn't know how much he would really contribute. You know, we were like, is this going to be kind of a, a red shirt year for him because of that injury? We just didn't know the significance of that injury. Yeah. I, oh my goodness. Like for, for whatever reason, man, you know, Chris Ballard, obviously he has some really good things and, you know, maybe some other things, some questionable draft picks, but you can say this for sure. He knows how to draft safeties in the mid round. <laughs> like Corey Willis the year before this year, Julian Blackman, I have loved what I've seen out of number 32. Man, I can't find another rookie that is playing better than Julian Blackman. And yes, I'm even going to say that about Chase Young in Washington. Right now, 
I can't find anyone else for defensive rookie of the year other than Julian Blackman. That's not me being me being a homer because for those of your fans that know me well enough, I, I say it how I see it. And yeah. for Julian Blackman, man, I can't find any other rookie in the secondary or any defensive rookie period that's playing at a higher level than him, man. J- Julian Blackman, and we're going to keep saying this, he is what we hope Malik Hooker to be. Now, right. Malik, Malik, Malik Hooker's best time was probably in that short stint his rookie year with that 3-4 defense. But this one, mm. Chris Ballard said it. He is a natural free safety. When I look back, when we drafted him, I look back and watch that, watch his tape because that's the only thing I could go off of because I knew there was a chance we probably might not see him until October. That didn't turn out that way for because of that injury. I looked at him and I saw some good speed. He almost, dude, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say this. He almost has that Earl Thomas speed. Like you mm-hmm. can put him in the center of the field, the only safety, and that's what we saw today. Kari Willis plays closer to the box. Julian Blackman stayed back. He can be in the center of the field. He has that speed to go right, to go left. He has that speed. And for him, it's in, when you're a safety playing in zone, it's also just about vision. It's about vision, and that's what he has. The instincts as a safety have got to be there for you to be a really good safety. I mean, Bob Sanders, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Jamal Adams. I mean, the list goes on. You, Those guys have instincts. And what I'm seeing from Julian Blackman is he is probably the, the first or second best behind Xavier Rhodes as the best player in the secondary. And oh. I even told you, Cody, the secondary is going to determine the success of this team. And the yeah. way they're playing right now, they're determining the success and it's good success. Four and two. I love what I've seen from Julian. He is a for sure tackler. He just doesn't miss tackles, whether if it's an assist tackle or an open field tackle. Someone tried to hurdle him. I can't remember who it was. They tried to hurdle him. He paid the price for it. Yep. And Julian Blackman, man, what is is that his second or third interception already? That's number two. I mean, he was part of one that tipped to Kari Willis. So you can you yeah. can say he's responsible for three interceptions then. But he's technically had two. But, yeah I, yeah, I love what I've seen out of him. And the thing is with Malik Hooker, he was so hot and cold a lot of times. Like, And that was a big thing. Like, We were, we were like, okay, he's he's a good ball hawk, right? He's good in coverage. Yeah. The guy couldn't tackle to save his life. With Julian Blackman, he can do both of them. He lays the wood, and and he also can cover. And that is just something that I think is such a rare skill set for a safety, um, especially a free safety, to be able to hit that hard. I just love, man, what I've seen from Julian Blackman. And, you know, beyond that that injury he suffered last year, he's been pretty durable so far too. Yep. So, I, yeah, I love Julian Blackman, what he's done. Corey Willis also had, uh, I thought, a pretty good game too, overall, things considered. You mentioned he's more of a box safety, but he led the team with 10 total tackles. He had a pass defended as well. Um, so I was encouraged with what I saw from Corey Willis too. You know, this this Colts secondary, these, these safeties in particular, I think, honestly, it's fair to say – the Colts should feel really good about their future at safety for the next yeah. five, 10 years. Like it's going to be a top. Like I love both of these guys. I, I mean, I really think that they can be potentially two of the top players at their position. They're it's both very young guys, duo. you know, rookie, rookie and, and second year guy, but they're both playing phenomenal so far. So I'm really encouraged with what I saw 
um, in both of them and what I've seen so far. Um, and we can move on now to the linebackers. So obviously Darius Leonard missed this game, um, his second missed game. So hopefully he can heal up over the bye week, be back for the Detroit game. But Anthony Walker, obviously, and Bobby Okariki were the two starters. Um, they both had seven tackles apiece. Um, you mentioned Bobby Okariki. He had two passes defended. Those were essentially the two ones that he should have picked off. Um, yeah. But all things considered, I thought these linebackers played pretty good in coverage. I mean, I didn't see any, you know, any of them really getting exposed in coverage throughout this game. What were your thoughts on these linebackers? And also, they did a pretty good job at stopping the run, too. Yeah. Uh, we, we know they're good run stoppers, especially Anthony Walker. I mean, we can't say enough about him as a run stopper. Um, in the past, you know, I think Anthony Walker is a little shaky at times in pass coverage. He got beat a couple of times. I believe, I believe it was the second touchdown. I want to say he was primed and ready right there to pick, to pick the ball off. But for some reason, he just didn't make the play. It was zone. And he had the play right there with the Bengals receiver coming across the middle. And it was it, that should have been an interception. Right. But he's been sh- shaky somewhat in pass defense. And he also has good plays in pass defense. Bobby Okariki, man, this guy is starting to understand it. That athleticism, that speed, that is starting to pay dividends when you watch it on the field. Because when these wide receivers, they're getting faster, tight ends are getting slimmer and faster, and he's able to cover them. Mm-hmm. With this club on his hand, I was, I was kind of curious to see what that would even do if it had any effect on him whatsoever. It doesn't. In fact, I think he's probably playing better with it on. I don't know. I don't know if that's my opinion or that's a fact. I, I got to continue to watch more of him, but I'm really pleased with the linebackers. I think it's one of a top two linebacker room in the league, if not the best. Uh, we, we expected that coming in. And like I said, you know, you said it for the safeties. I think they're going to be a top duo in the league. Uh, and for the linebackers, I think it's already a top room in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. you find me one better. I mean, if you want to go just a straight linebacker, okay, Bobby Okariki. But a linebacker room, find me a better one. I mean, more. Yeah. find me one more faster, more talented more tackles, more would-be interceptions. I mean, we got we, we got the claw on our side with that club, okay? So that's probably going to be my new nickname for him. I don't know, maybe the club instead of the claw. <laughs> I, I like the linebackers, man. I think yeah. they're they're a good duo, and are, we're, we're covered in that department. It's crazy to me that they, the Colts defense can continue to do this without their all-pro linebacker. That's how deep this linebacker group is. You know, that obviously sucks to Mysterious Leonard. You yeah. got two linebackers you're, you feel good with. And I think that is huge. And especially when Leonard returns. I mean, you, you mentioned it. Anthony Walker's kind of up and down in coverage. When Darius Leonard returns, there's a reason why Walker's off the field and, and Okariki and Leonard are on there because they're two of the best coverage linebackers in the league. And I'm really excited because, you know, yeah, they're all they're all pretty good in, you know, stopping the run. Um but, you know, they have elite coverage skills as well. They have so many different guys with so many different skill sets. And it's super encouraging. Like, they can just bring them in waves, man. And, and like, you know, like we'll talk about the defensive line. They can just bring them in waves and they can continue to, you know, depending on the situation. Uh, you know, if, if it's a rundown, Anthony Walker's in. And he's one of the best, you know, I would say one of the best tacklers in terms of run defense. So, yeah, love this, the, the different variety of this, of this Colts linebacker group. I definitely agree. Um, let's move on to the defensive line. This is something that um, I've kind of been hot and cold on this defensive line, especially after this performance. 
they had some really good moments. I don't want to like discredit them. I feel like they had some decent moments. Uh, you know, DeForest Buckner obviously had a, a sack. He had four quarterback pressures, um, which I think is good. Uh, but, you know, overall, as a unit, I felt like they just struggled to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. You know, they, they've had moments, like I mentioned. Like, they have moments when they do really well. And then they just have moments like this where the Bengals allowed seven sacks last week. The Colts only got two the entire game. Um is that a little bit concerning to you, Michael, that the Colts just aren't getting that consistent pressure? You know, you bring in DeForest Buckner, who made an impact, but some of these other guys aren't really getting a ton of pressure in sacks. You know, we felt like with DeForest Buckner getting double teams, it would allow some of these guys to get more of a chance, you know, one-on-one against some of these offensive linemen. Uh, what is your take, though, on this on these Colts defensive linemen outside of maybe DeForest Buckner? I'm not being harsh when I say this. I'm not even over-exaggerating in my mind. But if the Colts get to January and they have to play outdoors, they are in huge trouble. They are in very huge trouble. DeForest Buckner is a big difference maker. We've seen it. But he's going to get double teamed, even triple teamed. What I've seen from Justin Houston, Al-Kadim Muhammad, Danico Autry hasn't been much. In the run defense, Okay, they've been good. But in pass rush, I mean, Danico Autry and Justin Houston are, you know, power rushers. They're not speed. And we'll see how this progresses when Kamoko Toure could hopefully come back after the bye week because he's scheduled to be activated from the IR during the bye week. So we'll see what happens with him. But in terms of that, I still don't understand why we don't see enough of Ben Banigou, why you know, this Tai Kwong Lewis not getting any run at defensive end. I'm not seeing a whole lot of push. This Bengals offensive line is the worst in the league. They've given up the most sacks, and we only registered what two? Yeah. Today? Two. That mm-hmm. is horrible. And considering the fact that we made the adjustments we did in the second half, and we still couldn't get pressure. I mean, I get it. Our secondary is playing great. But you cannot do that when you get to January and face a Ben Roethlisberger, a Patrick Mahomes. You know, you just can't do that. And Chris Ballard has got, I'm not going to say he has to find an answer, but probably not Chris Ballard, but we have to find an answer. Because right now, I have Edge Rusher as the Colts' number one need in the offseason. Okay, that's my number one need for this team in the draft. I'm going to be honest, man. I don't know if I see one that's worthy of being taken at wherever the Colts are, unless it's Gregory Rose. Other than that, I think everyone gets a second round grade for me. I think if you want to get an edge rusher and this is depending on what we see from Ben Banigoud, Kimogo Toure and how he affects the lineup going forward. You would have to sign or make a trade for an edge rusher, man. The the edge rusher department is, like you said, it's hot and cold sometimes, great pressure, but you don't see a lot of speed stuff. That's the thing. You need speed in this day and age because this game of football today is not like what it was in 2013, 2012. Everyone has speed. Everyone's passing the ball. The quarterback is going to be in the shotgun more times than not, and You have to adapt to that. You can't just have Justin Houston, a power rusher, who's not going to get there. 
I mean, he's at, I believe, 3.5 sacks. He hasn't had a sack in, like, what, three games already? It's it's a little bit worrisome to me. But right now, I think I'm going to stick with the guys. I think I'm going to hope for the best when Kamoko Toure comes back because I definitely want to see what he can bring to our room and how maybe that can change up Matt Eberflus's lineup in rotations on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish the Colts would use Tyquan Lewis a little bit more. I want to see more of him. Today like, was his best game. What's that? Today was his best game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I saw him making plays whenever he was in there, and I'm like, just give him more of a run. You're not getting after yeah. the quarterback. He was responsible for one of those sacks. Like, give him more of an opportunity. Same with Ben Banigou. Like, give them more of an opportunity on passing, you know, rush, rushing downs. Like, do that. Um, and I really just want to see somebody emerge because Colts have invested some draft capital into some of these guys, and none of these guys really have, like, fly- I mean, Kamoko Turi is flash, but, you know, he's been off the field more than he's been on it in the yeah. last few years. So um, I want to see more from Banigou. I want to see more from Lewis. Um, and I want to see the Colts giving them more opportunities, especially in the pass rush department. Um, you know, if you can't get it done against one of the worst offensive lines in the league, the worst in terms of pass protection, um, I think there's some stuff the Colts need to re- reevaluate. The good news is that they have a chance to do that in the bye week um, and see what what's going to happen with that. But uh, you know, DeForest Buckner is obviously a huge difference, and you know he he played a good game. I felt like he had a quarterback sack. He he had a couple pressures. He's obviously really good against the the run defense as well. And the Colts defense was good against the run defense. That's something I think that we can consistently say. They've been really good at it. They've been really good at stopping the run. In total, the Bengals ran it 32 times for 98 yards, averaged 3.1 yards per carry. Joe Mixon averaged three yards a carry on 18 carries. Um, so I felt like this Colts run defense was really, really solid once again, um, especially because Joe Mixon's a pretty good back, and I felt like the Colts did a really good job at containing him, just like they've done pretty much all season. Um, I've really been encouraged by this. You know, if there's one thing that's been consistent, it's been stopping the run. You know, I actually want to ask you something, Cody, because this just came up on Twitter about maybe an hour ago or so. Okay. The the Jets just traded Steve McClendon to Tampa Bay, and they've made every player on their roster except Makai Becton available for trade. Hmm. And the one person, no, it's not Sam Darnold for all of you getting excited. <laughs> I'm thinking of one player. I think I know who it is. If you are Chris Ballard, if I'm Chris Ballard, I'm calling them up and I'm asking, what do you want for Quinn and Williams? I knew it. I knew it. That's the only talented player on the team. <laughs> That's true. Dude, yeah. if, if he's like 22 years old, like he's like basically exactly. like he is the only hope on defense for them, dude. When I still watch him, he is in the backfield almost every play the only time I didn't see him do that was when he was matched up against Quentin Nelson that's it if I am Chris Ballard if I can't get anything on the outside now and and also I don't even want to take away from Grover Stewart because Grover Stewart has been good this season he cannot be moved he can't but Quentin Williams right Quentin Williams you got DeForest Buckner Quentin Williams up inside the middle. I mean, good luck. Good luck. That's all I got to say. Good luck. If I'm Chris Ballard, I am going and getting Quinnen Williams because that guy, he may not be an edge rusher, but 
it's going to be five on four, <laughs> five on six. Quinnen Williams, DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, Kamoko Toure, Darius Leonard coming in, Kenny Moore coming in, coming in from the slot. Man, dude, oh my god! I know it's probably not going to happen, but that's what I would do, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why? Why not? Chris Ballard loves the defensive line, and if you could get a top three pick for like a second round pick, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, why? I don't know how much the Jets would ask for him, but like, what if they were just kind of like, you know what? We're just trying to get rid of people right now, and you offer them a second round pick, and you get a t- that type of talent. Oh, man, that would be insane. And, man, your defensive line, especially in the interior, you talk about a major upgrade from a season ago. Oh, my goodness. And he's still in his rookie contract. He's still got a couple years left. So you yeah. don't have him for a couple years, especially if he continues to develop. I mean, I would love that. I would be great. I would, I'd be good about that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think overall in this game, the things that I can take away and I think the Colts can take away is you got to get more pressure on the quarterback, Right. You got to continue to build off the success of the passing attack because it was it was good. It was the yeah. best game. Um, yeah. I think that is a little bit encouraging for me because that was the big thing, big reason why they lost to the Browns. They could not throw the football, um, and it's good to see guys like Marcus Johnson, uh, you know, some of these other guys stepping up, Trey Burton stepping up, and making an impact on on this offense. And I think that's the most encouraging thing. Hopefully, you can get potentially Michael Pittman back, which yeah. is huge for this passing offense. Um, and, you know, hopefully, obviously, you can get back, you know, some of your other guys as well that have been injured, um, Darius Leonard being the most notable one there. Um, so, overall, it hasn't been pretty. In fact, sometimes, especially this game, it's been downright ugly. But the fact is, right now, the Colts are 4-2. and two. Um, Right now, if they continue to go down their path they're going, I mean, they're, they're a potential fringe playoff team. And I think that's important. And, you know, obviously, the, the road's not going to get any easier from here. So, the Colts have to feel fortunate that they're 4-2 and two right now. But realizing there's a gauntlet coming on coming up very, very soon. Gosh, you play Baltimore, you play Green Bay. Heck, you can even throw Detroit in there. They got Matthew Stafford. I mean, that's no joke. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of teams that I'm a little bit nervous about. You haven't even played tennis near Houston yet. And like, you know, throw crap on Houston all you want. They still got Deshaun Watson. And I'm never gonna count out Deshaun Watson. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't like the Texans at all. I don't like them as an organization, but J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, they're just first-class guys, man. You can't help but root for them. Um, but one thing, when we talk about the schedule coming forward, and one thing I realized today that we didn't even touch on, the offense was 7 of 11 on third down. Yes. That is going to, that's going to win you a lot of games. If mm-hmm. they can continue to improve and have those numbers and we don't fall in those early holes, the defense comes out strong, the Colts are going to find themselves – in January, right now, where we stand heading into the bye week, my opinion on this team is they're going to be fighting for a possible division title or a six-seven seed. That that's my opinion on it. Tennessee, we face them twice in the matter of a month. One on Thursday night football on the road, the other one at home. Then we play Baltimore. I mean, this gauntlet, and remember, I believe the last. Six games of the season, four out of those six are division opponents. So, and those final six are also AFC opponents as well. So the Colts are going to have to stack up wins because your division matters and your conference record matters. What your record is against your conference foes, 
that's a tiebreaker. You already lost to Cleveland. They got smashed today, but we'll see where it goes with them. The Colts have got to get it going. That's why I said this stretch right here is going to be important to finish 5-1 and one or 4-2. and two. It's going to be important. For Baltimore, I'm encouraged by it because we have the speed to, comp- to contain J- Lamar Jackson. So right now, man, I'm excited about the team. I'm, you know, if I had to give them a grade for heading into the bye week, I'd probably give it a just a B minus maybe. You know, a lot of that has to do with them being four and two. But this is a different team. This is my opinion. This is a different team. It's improved in veteran leadership and talent. Last year's team would have lost this game. Yeah. Last year's team would have lost this game. But yeah. you see, like you touched on it, we have more veteran leadership on the team. Mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes and DeForest Buckner and Anthony Walker on the field for the mm-hmm. defense. And then on the offense, T.Y. Hilton, Anthony Costanzo, Phillip Rivers. This is a different team. So right now we saw that they can handle it. Hot Rod is still booming. He's blazing hot right now. Let let it go. Just it's going to be interesting to see where where we go from here coming back from the bye. Yeah, and I'm encouraged because you mentioned their good third down conversion. They were four for four in the red zone today. That yes. is phenomenal. That is phenomenal, and that's something that I've said. You know, they struggled so much. I've said if you're going to play good teams, if you're going to get into January football, you can't settle for three points. As good as Hot Rod has been, you ideally want him kicking one point, not three points. And the Colts. They, I mean, that is encouraging for me. They they figured it out, at least for this game, and hopefully they can take it and be like, okay, well, what worked? And they can continue to build on that. Yeah. But you're right. You know, it's going to get difficult. It's going to get difficult. The Colts are definitely going to need to play their best football they've played so far this season. And I think a B-minus is fair because the competition hasn't necessarily been jaw-dropping by any stretch of the imagination. They've dropped the game they shouldn't have dropped in Jacksonville. Um, you know, overall, this team really easily could be five and one, like no question at all. Um, but, you know, overall, I, you know, I think this team's in a good position. Um, they can control their own destiny a little bit. Hopefully Tennessee cools off a little bit in these crazy comebacks they're making. I mean, gosh, it's not in my opinion, that's not sustainable. Honestly, I mean, as great as it is, like it's going to catch up with Tennessee one of these times. <laughs> like it's got to. We saw yeah. that last year with the Colts when they were down one possession games. They were five and two. Right. But we saw what happened in the back half of the season. Those one-possession games caught up with them, and they end up with a losing record after all. I'm not going to say that's going to happen to Tennessee. I don't think it will. But odds are it'll catch up to them eventually. But uh, I have a question for you speaking of that. And I, I kind of – and I'll kind of give my thoughts, and I'll get your thoughts on it. I honestly feel so much better about this 4-2 and two Colts team than I did about the 5-2 and two Colts team last year. What are your yes. thoughts? Yes, that is that. That's easily. I, I'm all on board with that. Some people are going to say, "Oh, well, you beat Houston, you beat Kansas City." I mean, yeah. I mean, the Colts are the only team to hold Patrick Mahomes to 13 points. At least you can say that much. But um, I feel much better about this because one, the defense is much better. The secondary is showing more signs of life. They're showing more consistency. Is the main thing. That's the difference for me on the defensive side of the ball. On the offense. Obviously, it's simple. You're taking more shots downfield. Your quarterback is protected a little bit more. You have your receivers with you as well. Now, you have much more talent. You have much more depth. I feel a lot 
better about this team four and two than last year's five and two because last year they were squeaking out every game imaginable now the biggest thing cody and we even talked about it in the offseason it's going to be about what philip rivers we get on game day that's what it's going to be about if if today was by far his best game of the year if we get that philip rivers Let's just say for the rest of the year, Colts could be in the Super Bowl. I'm not over-exaggerating. I realize Kansas City is Kansas City. But if we can have our secondary play the way they play, Phillip Rivers plays the way they play. Remember, Kansas City's defense is still average at best. That, that's still what they are. Right. The, offense, the offense covers a lot of that up, just like Andrew Luck covered up a lot of issues on our team. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. But I don't think that's realistic. Because these boneheaded plays, these panic plays, I call them. Oh, man, Phillip Rivers, he's going to cause me a heart attack one of these days, man. He is going to. It's yeah. going to be about what Phillip Rivers is going to do. I, I really worry about what he can do in the playoffs, which is why I really hope the Colts can win this division and have an indoor game in the wild card to and hopefully get that win, have momentum going into wherever you're going to go next, which is probably going to be on the road, Baltimore, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, wherever. So that's that's going to be the biggest thing. I trust the offensive line. I trust Frank Reich. I trust I trust the defense. The defense has forced me to trust them, which is the biggest thing. Last year's team, they didn't force us. We were just trying to make believe in them. This year, the defense has my trust. The offensive line has my trust. This Depth on offense has my trust, but Phillip Rivers does not. And that's the most important position in the game. And that that's going to be the difference maker on where the Colts go in 2020. Yep. You live and die by your quarterback play. We saw that last year. You can be San Francisco good on defense, but ultimately the quarterback wins. And, um, you know, you're right. And if the Colts can get anywhere near the Phillip Rivers we saw today, they have a really, really good shot at really contending for this thing. But that's yeah. a big if. Like we, like yeah. you said, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not even gonna like say that's a reality. Like that's a possibility because like he's so he's been so erratic this year. I just I can't go there yet. I mean, this is a good step towards starting to form some trust for Philip Rivers, but we'll see. We'll see, and it'll be really telling. You know, the the gosh, how many games have they played now? Six games. Six games. They have ten games ten left. More. Ten more. And more games. Let's see. Let's see what you got, Philip Rivers. You know, you you're in an ideal situation. You got a good, better offensive line. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta play caller that you know very well. It's time for you to to turn the corner here and really, if you really want a chance at some hardware, man, you got to step it up because you got the team around you. Now it's up to you. Yep. All righty. Well, I think uh, unless you got anything else, I think that'll wrap up this. Look at the Colts' win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Wasn't a pretty win by any means. Gave me a little bit of headaches early on, especially in that first quarter, first half, really. Um, But the Colts showed their resilience. They came back. Julian Blackman looking good. This secondary looking really good. Uh, This defense is is good. Phillip Rivers is a a little bit more taking more encouraging steps. So we'll see what happens. But that'll do it for this one, guys. Thanks so much for listening. For the 126 of you in here right now, thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. If you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to our channel. Michael, it's crazy. We're, we are almost a 4K. We're, all, we're getting closer. We're rapidly approaching 4,000. 
Um, now we're under 500 more subscribers till 4,000. It's been crazy. Um, you know, obviously thankful for, for Derek and Andrew and you coming on here uh, from time to time. And uh, it's been a lot, it's been really awesome. And so thank you Colts nation. We really appreciate that. And if you would also leave a like on this video, we'd love that as well, but that'll do it for this one. Thank you, Michael, for coming on, man. Thank you all for listening. No and as always, go Colts. Go Colts.